is Nick. And I'm Damien. And you're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. are back. Welcome, everyone, to the EQIQ Radio Podcast with my co-host here, Nicholas. Hola, EDC Radio Podcast. That's nice. Yeah, I wanted to try, kind of drop this. It's kind of nice, right? I'm going to bring it back old school. <laughs> there we go. And then in our corner, helping us keeping this ship afloat is our producer extraordinaire, Pablo. Say hello, Bob. What's up, y'all? Bringing the EQ to the IQ. Nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. So today, we kind of wanted to talk about this concept called emotional anchoring. And this kind of is brought up because Nicholas and I have been listening to a lot of pitches, pitch decks, people giving pitches to VCs, venture capitalists, and to other funding types of institutions. And one of the things for myself, which has been super amazing, is how people are able to convince people to give them tons of money for something that literally does not exist. Absolutely. Like Getting it literally paid for air. <laughs> exactly. Like how in the world is it that people are able to convince somebody that says, "I have an idea." It doesn't even exist in reality. It's just an idea. And so it kind of comes back to this idea behind storytelling and the essences of storytelling. And one of the things that we've kind of further dissected down to is some of the core elements of what we do in our work is trying to help people to take these stories, these narratives, these ideas, and then distill it down into a way that people feel compelled or desire to help and support through giving money, through giving giving ports. And it just comes down to this idea behind our emotions. This isn't necessarily only outward either. You know, this storytelling is also inward, almost convincing yourself. And this is actually extremely relevant for us at the moment, hot off the coattails of our most recent client visit, where I think, you know, you can almost say a year and a half to the day, you can look back at the story that they were telling us. And now that is what is actually going on right now at the moment down to, you know, we were getting and we can get into this sort of picturing what the window is going to be, what the view was going to look like, you know, and and anchoring ourselves as sort of this supportive team, but also especially anchoring them within this moment, within those feelings to provide a lot of the direction and guidance of where we wanted this project to go. Yeah. Oh, man. So this first for me became evident even when I was a young kid. I didn't understand it or knew the relevance till years later about the power of the imagination. I remember being a little kid and trying to describe something to my friends and talking about this idea of a superhero I wanted to develop. And as I was saying it, they were like, I don't get it. I don't understand. So I said, let me draw you a picture picture of it. And as I was drawing the picture of it, each of my friends was saying, oh, that's cool. Look at that. What if this superhero had this cape? What if this superhero had these little razor blades? And they're like, and every single time, I didn't think of it at the time, but they were coming up with ideas that enhance that cool factor. And I was like, oh yeah, let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. But the point of it was as I was drawing or illustrating or showing 
people were able to now see what was literally in my head, this imagination mm-hmm. to enhance that imagination. And every time they did that, I thought it was cool. They thought it was cool. And we kept <laughs> on along that path. And I think this, in essence, is this natural, innocent part that we all do when we want to be able to join somebody on their vision, to be able to develop this idea of into the future. And I think that's what like these entrepreneurs, these people that are giving these pitches is telling this narrative, a story of kind of like, what if let's just dream a little bit, not about like risk assessments or S SWOT analysis or practical things. Let's, let's take that though, because I, I feel like that's a really interesting place to really start this discussion. Because if you, look at the the vision, the story that we're talking about that's very exciting. It's very engaging. You know, you're talking about a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something that is perceivably fictitious. And this is true for even people that are looking to start companies. You know, when you think about, oh my God, I'm going to need, you know, $6 million to get this started. That seems like a lofty goal. Uh, if you're not in the industry, if you're not involved in, in sort of those financial markets, that can seem like just a massive amount of money, which it it is relative to maybe other experiences that you have. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we start talking about risk assessments, the BATNA, which is the, Damien, help me out with this acronym. The best alternative to negotiated agreement. Right. So when we talk about that, and then there's also the the ZOPA that we hear a lot about, which is the zone of possible agreement. Once we start getting into these very metric driven, most of the time we're throwing in dollar figures in there. The emotional anchor that this is creating mm-hmm. is risk averse, you know, because mm-hmm. all of these things are to reduce risk. And mm-hmm. so that is taking us in a very different place if we consider this the anchor. Yeah. And I think this is why it's important when we engage with people on developing their research vision or their scientific labs or developing their teams or even in getting into negotiations is we always have them to take us through an ideal situation. What would be the most exciting agreement if like everything 200% works out? And most often we get like, well, I want to make sure that this doesn't go wrong. This doesn't go wrong. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, let's just like everything <laughs> is absolutely perfect. Nothing right. goes wrong. But Damien, something goes wrong. Like, no, no. No, no, we're not going there. Paint the picture, the illustrate the idea of when you would be like, wow, this is the best deal ever. And Mm -hmm. that's much easier to then create a path or routine towards that than trying to do risk assessment every single time. The challenge is that we don't necessarily realize if you're going to go towards somewhere or reach for something that you want, it takes about the same amount of time, money, and energy to avoid the things that you don't want. And then the challenge is that we're always constantly moving towards somewhere we don't want when in reality, we didn't realize we didn't want it. And so this actually then creates this limitation. Nick, you actually had a a point, a comment, this point about uh, limitations. Let's not put limitations in an unlimited situation, Mm -hmm. right? So when we're thinking about the vision, when we are working with a client and we're trying to anchor them into a positive emotion, a lot of times we ask them to explain, we get them to start telling us their story. And Mm -hmm. even though we ask them to do these things, they're always going to qualify it with either 
this is enough or um, I know this is a lot, but they give us a lot of disclaimer statements or different ways of qualifying something that they kind of want. And so what Damien and I do a lot of is reducing all those and just giving permission to dream, but almost dream in in reality. It's not like we're not talking about unicorns and, you know, Pegasus. We're talking about what is it that you want to do? What is this ideal situation? And stop limiting, oh, well, you know, I I have a family and we can't go over there. Okay, fine, right? Let's just say that you can do this where you live right now. Or I need some sort of finances, so I can't really afford to spend or focus this much time on my project to push it forward. Be like, okay, right. Those are the types of of limitations that we see and uh, just pushing past those. Fine. Ideally, if you want to take the sort of this salary situation, which is one that comes across a lot, let's just assume Mm -hmm. that you have enough money to support yourself for the next year, you know, or for as long as you need. I'll sort of sidebar. Most of the time people are not exactly comfortable with going unlimited. So we'll just give it a very big range. I usually go with the next year because that seems like an acceptable amount of time for most people. Well, kind of thinking about the, the ideas and the concept of the emotional anchoring, because it's really important that we understand that the steps or or the practical ideas behind getting towards that bigger vision, it's a stretch. It's a stretch because your experience says it doesn't exist for yourself, right? So then if it doesn't exist for yourself, then it only exists in one place in your mind. And then we come up with these qualifiers that says, oh, let's second guess this. But I think this comes back to even my own personal mantra has been pebble by pebble that some mountains are moved. And I say this kind of tongue in cheek as this is like my go to. But I mean, it was for me to condition my own mind mindset to say, wow, this mountain is so big. It's such a big, huge vision. How in the world am I going to do this? And then you just have to break it down into bite-sized pieces and say, all right, just this pebble, move this pebble, move this pebble. Because breaking things down into bite-sized pieces allows you to do it, but you understand why you're doing those little bite-sized pieces. And like I was tell, I had one client, he was like, wow, this is like a big, huge whale. How do you, and I'm like, you know how to eat a whale? And they're like, wow. (laughs) One bite at a time. Bite by bite. <laughs> One bite at a time. But I, I think that's it's so nebulous at that point. So for our minds to actually digest it, it's too much. But when it comes to your emotions, your, for lack of a better term, your heart, what your heart desires, it becomes much easier to say, absolutely, of course I want to do this. This sounds amazing. We've talked a lot about vision and even right now we're talking about storytelling. But how is emotional anchoring different or useful for storytelling? And I'll push it to the next level, which is finding alignment with others. I think this comes back down to us understanding ourselves or developing self-awareness. It's as simplistic as knowing what you like versus what you don't like. But if you don't have that sentiment, you actually then default towards what other people deem as what you should like Mm. or what should you not like. And so we therefore adopt success metrics based upon other people's wants and desires instead of our own. And I told this little story about how I first came about this as a young kid. And this is the part of the raw innocence of emotional intelligence with young kids. They just do things because they genuinely want to. They're super excited Mm -hmm. or they react to things that they don't want, but they're so blunt and honest about it. 
But that's the part is that for an entrepreneur, you have to like return back to that bright eyed, bushy tailed, childlike innocence, <laughs> because then you speak upon that because you want to, you're excited about it. And it is that emotion that leads all of the consecutive actions and behaviors. And then other people can also feel that as well. And I love the fact that we can think about emotion as the best first emotional contagion mm-hmm. that like laughter and even anger they're so intoxicating to others around you if you're not aware of how you feel you end up adopting the audience as well and so when you're working with an investor who's coming with a high critical eye about things and they're in this negative mode this is the part where you have to anchor them in your emotions of why you want to do this and then lead them towards where you want of course you're going to address some of their concerns and anxieties about it But you constantly have to paint that picture of the future that you want to go. They then can also then start to see, okay, this is possible. Tell us more. That's where storytelling is really great. And this might seem or sound very difficult, especially to to the people that that our podcast resonates with and, and, you know, the people that we work with. However, what most of these individuals don't know is that they are the best advocates for this because science is a passion-driven industry. The first place that we want you to start when you're trying to build this is to go back to that core element that is getting you to go back to the lab, that's that's pushing you to want to take the next step in whatever it is you want to do, whether it be start a company or start a lab. It's going back to that passion and the act of doing this will automatically anchor you within an extremely positive, extremely motivating, and frankly, something that you're an expert in because most likely you've been doing it for most of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the history of you doing what you do is really telling about your path. I think for particularly entrepreneurs and academic scientists alike, they have been doing this without a whole lot of like, success and accolades from the outside world. You do this making very little money. You have very little time. Like You do it on shoestring budgets, but you just love doing it. It just really speaks to you. You just can't wait to come back and get to do this again. And then you cultivate that for such a long time and you speak upon why you do that. This is why I'm a big, huge fan of listening to clients and I sit down with them and say, all right, tell me, tell me your origin story. Why do you love science? What got you into this career? What got you into this field? And most often they're like, oh, you know, you're not going to really hear that. I'm like, no, no, I want to hear. And most often, a lot of them is, well, when I was a kid, when I was young, when I first came across my first experiment, when I listened to some National Geographics or something that inspired them. And I think that spoke to that emotion and that emotion they didn't realize anchored them anger them to carry on this field for such a long time. And I said, let's keep going on along that vein. But I think somewhere down the line, you kind of get beat down <laughs> so many times and you're like, all right, maybe I should like right. rethink this. And it's, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's a stream of consciousness that, that is very positive. And it's something that everyone can talk a lot about because it's your story, right? But that that's where you start. And I, I think what's interesting, the evolution of this emotional anchoring, I think at first it can feel like, like, 
blinders. Like you're really focusing on a singular aspect and you're trying to just get it right, which will evolve into more of a of a tether to something that you know is right. But then there's no more guidelines and you're free to do whatever it is you want. Now, don't get us wrong. Like the end all and be all isn't just emotional anchoring. We actually kind of spoke about this because working with this last client, it was a year and a half of us going back and forth with negotiation strategies, building in the lab, building everything out. But we took pause to kind of remind this individual, look, when we first worked together, you painted the picture clear enough for us to create a path towards it. He was like, wow, that's actually pretty amazing. Like, I didn't realize it was, I'm like, yeah. So that came to fruition because you were able to articulate that from that emotion. We just checked in from time to time again. But there are so many other strategies. How do you gravitate towards it? How do you stay on track? How do you not reverse all your plans? How do you not like jump off the side of the uh, the building because things aren't quite working out? And I think there are many ways of being able to maintain and manage that path. But your guiding, however you want to put it, your guiding North Star, your emotional anchoring. Even this is why vision boards work so well is because people put down images or pictures or something to help them anchor onto a future event that says this would be so effing cool if we accomplished it. And then it gives you a direction. And then that emotion is the one thing that's guiding all of your discussions, guiding all your conversations, is the one part where you have all of the points of which you can illustrate or communicate to others as well, saying, this is what I want. Are you excited to get this too? And then if they're excited to it, then they'll want to join you as well and help to contribute to that. If they're not excited about it, they don't. This is comes back down to the alignment side of things. And some people that share in that vision, they will. Some that don't, they won't. This is why I'm a big, I always find it uh, funny about this phrase. Overnight success are years in the making. Every overnight success is years in the making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we don't, we negate the all those countless times of why we do what we do. And the bare essence of your excitement and joy for it is the one thing that drives all conversations, all metrics and measurements, and all of these other, quote, practical steps. The metrics and measurements are important, too. This isn't just feel-good fluff that we're talking about. Yes, it, it initially sounds like that, but to refer back to you know our previous episode, there's a lot of strategy involved in anchoring yourself into what it is you want or where it is you're coming from because of where you want to go, right? It's about making sure that the decisions that you're taking are pushing you in a direction either culturally or progressively, you know, milestone-wise in a way that you want to continue building upon what it is you've been doing. Anchoring yourself emotionally will allow you to know whether or not someone is the right fit for your team and fitment wise, you know, you can also refer back to, you know, is it the right institution? Is it the right investor? You know, whenever it's any of these more building questions and investment questions, which are almost one in the same, we can always refer back to where it is you're coming from is this something that this other person, institution, entity shares? And then we can also just hop into sort of all that alignment talk. Yeah, but then devil advocate is, how do you know if that vision can come to fruition, right? How do you know if that's actually feasible or probable? 
And so that devil advocates helps us to sit there and say, all right, we can then turn back to the metrics part. And this is why I look for myself. I love science. Science right. actually does measure our, and challenges a standard hypothesis. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We don't experientially and experimentally know, but we can develop and design an experiment that will test that hypothesis or test to see if that vision is probable and practical. And or at least put together a plan. Bingo. Because, because, and I want to add, the biggest unicorns that are out there all started out as bad ideas. Mm -hmm. Just saying. <laughs> the most successful billion dollar companies that are out there initially sounded like terrible ideas. And that is almost sort of innovation too. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this some other point in time, but this is where we talk about like pivoting, like, right. There are so many points mm -hmm. of being able to pivot and adjust some of that vision and those ideas. But the most practical aspect is in and around how this vision makes you feel if this is something that you want to pursue, if something that you desire and it, it pulls you towards it. The mm -hmm. challenge is to really assess like then how do we best effectively communicate that to others so they can also feel what we feel. And I think some of the better entrepreneurs that are able to secure large amounts of funding are great storytellers. They're great narratives. They speak from the heart. They actually have a better sense of who they are as an individual. They actually are able to communicate from that place and area and becomes more of an art form for them. But if mm -hmm. we're not able to anchor that emotion, the default will always be fear-based. Again, like I always tell people, we are the descendants of the most paranoid hominids. Right. And <laughs> But I think that, that ability, right, that flexibility that everyone is in awe of, of these, you know, the best entrepreneurs, best scientists that can just sort of on a dime change what they're doing, that is because of the emotional anchoring that they've already created in something else. You know, they're not anchored in the process of, you know, step a b c d e they're anchored in where they're coming from where they want to go and a b c d now just doesn't really matter it's you know you come to a crossroads where you know the road's blocked well you just go around it somehow you just don't know how you're getting around it yeah but i think that these ideas around passion follow your bliss and these can fall on deaf ears for those that are very practical minded because they're they may sound a little too esoteric a little too foo-foo or woo-woo these kinds of like pie in the sky but this is where we try to encourage there is a balance between that abstract abstract ideas of these esoteric concepts with the practical step-by-step protocol-driven process. The challenge is how do we balance the two together that they cooperate synergistically? And part of it is mm -hmm. understanding what these abstract ideas are saying on a day-to-day -day practical step and then balance the two between each other. Because again, some of the metrics and measurements or measurement-minded folks or the practical setup, they, they can be successful. They're, we see it in business constantly. They make uh, tons of monies and P&L uh, records and profits. But then a lot of them can't innovate 
they lose passion. They lose people. Even we talked about this last time is about the great resignation. People are leaving their jobs Mm -hmm. with lucrative paychecks because they don't feel like they're actually living a more fulfilling, meaningful storytelling life. And people aren't always driven by just the metrics and measurements. And so understanding this balance between the emotion with the practicality has to be taken in consideration. And so real Mm -hmm. world experience shows how many investors just throw tons of money because somebody was able to tell a great narrative and story. For myself, I've been finding that fascinating. I find it very enthralling. And I've been spending the past decade and a half studying this these ideas and strategies and coming up with some of these ideas of best practices and this is kind of why we do what we do and it's we nick and i find this stuff amazing Hmm. so take home emotional anchoring where where do you get it so when we talk about emotional anchoring at the end of the uh, end of the day it's as simplistic as do i like this or not like this juxtapose against the timeline of one's life where do you see your your life going in five years, 10 years, 15 years? And is this going to make you happy? Is this something that you feel as though will basically help you live a life that you truly want? But then if you can paint a narrative or a story or some kind of what a day in a life of where you are, say, five years from now, where do you see yourself? Is it with your family? Is it with your friends? is where is it within your career? How does your career look like? I, we take our clients through this. Like, tell me five years from now, when you're walking into your lab, what does that look like? Are you successful in writing grants? Are you successful in getting awards? Are you successful in securing Series A financing? Is it a 50-person company? Is it a 100-person company? What does that feel like? Do you f- have people that are really enjoying coming to this day? Describe it in a way that says, this would be awesome if this came true today. And I think this exercise, again, it is an exercise. You have to practice it and allows you to anchor in on the emotional state of being in the future. And you tell it as like a day in a life because then you can't paint the whole entire thing, but you can kind of imagine one day driving into work, you're walking into your lab, say you meet some of your coworkers, some of your founder, fellow founders, right? What are you discussing? What are you talking about? What does those interactions look like? Then you can start to paint a picture about, okay, what does the building look like? What is the kind of facilities that look like? What are the type of people you're interacting with? Clearly, you want to work with people you want to work with. What are those people? We talk about this as a series about avatar, developing an avatar within job description. But all of these are exercises to emotionally anchor into an ideal situation and scenario that you genuinely feel good about. And then we constantly iterate this process. Right. Because, you know, we talk about so many different things like recruitment. I feel like there's this overarching subject or topic of just knowing what you want. And emotional anchoring is that tool that we just use to 
build all of these out. So helpful. I can't even begin to tell you, like, <laughs> from a process-driven perspective, it's so much easier to move or come up with ideas and suggestions towards something that somebody's sure of that they do want rather than the things that they don't want. Like Nick always, like when he works with budgets and he works with like job description, he's like, all right, this person is not clear in what they want. And so we have to kind of go back to the drawing board about what does this picture look like? <laughs> so practically speaking, I, because I, I I know and I feel like Damien, this conversation can just go on and on and on and on because it, it truly is the base of of everything that that we really do with our clients and, and how we've been able to build out the vision of the individuals that we work with because what this is 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 the basis of of what you want and when somebody is clear about what they want that allows us to to do anything and everything much more effectively. You know, I, I don't want to say quickly, right? Uh, we do it more effectively with a really high quality associated to that so that we're not taking three steps forwards and two steps back. You know, we're constantly moving in the same direction, in the right direction. And it's through this emotional anchoring that our clients are able to really flexibly move within all the different aspects where they have responsibilities and where they need to take decisions and where they need to provide feedback or get feedback and change things. I mean, you name it, the list goes on. But this is where it all begins. It's that emotional anchor. Yeah, it's the rhythm and pattern direction for all of the steps around that. And I kind of like telling this to people, it's kind of like if we asked the business and finance people, can we make it to the moon? They would they would say, we just don't have enough money for this. And so <laughs> this is in essence shows exactly why it's visionary leaders or emotionally driven leaders are important. It just kind of like goes back to the classic Martin Luther King, I've ha I have a dream. And so that painting that dream really helps people to say, that's exciting. How do I help? How can I help contribute to making sure, to ensuring that dream comes to fruition. And when you develop teams in and around this vision as the leader, as the founder, as the entrepreneur, it's your job and duty to take with what's inside and then basically communicate that outwardly. But if you're not sure about how you feel about it, how can others be sure about how they feel about it? And so, and I think that's a, that's the journey. This is the journey we actually take with our clients to help them to make that dream come to fruition. It's exciting. We don't exactly know how it's going to come out, but we do know we're providing that resource to ensure that their dreams come to fruition. And that's it, buddy. So if you're looking to get help to build out your own spaceship to get to the moon, or you're interested in learning a little bit more about all the tips, tricks, tools, techniques that we use, including the emotional anchoring, feel free to hit us up on our website, experimental-designs.com, or you can keep listening to us here at the EQIQ podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. Tune in to the next one.
This was a Raúl María production. My chef will make you something nice.